Welcome to My Bible Study, a verse-by-verse devotional study through the Bible with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. In this unique series, Pastor Bob takes you through the Bible just a few verses at a time. No preaching, just a simple Bible reading with examples and explanations of the meaning behind the scriptures. My Bible Study will take you from Genesis chapter 1 all the way through the book of Revelation. Now, here is Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Study last time about however where Abram went, he built an altar to God as a testimony to God. And that's what we see here as well. Okay, so I said many times when we fail, when we sin, we need to return to our roots as well, like hitting that reset button in our life and in our faith. Now, Lot during this time, he was also prospering. He became a rich man in his own right, not the least because he was sharing in the blessing that the Lord had bestowed on Abram. Remember, you know, God told Abram, whoever blesses you, I'll bless also. So with Lot being next to Abram, helping him out, taking care of his flocks, Lot was blessed also. But he wasn't supposed to be there. That's the point. He was not supposed to be there. God had spoken to Abram to come out of the land of Ur with you know, just him and Sarai. He says, separate yourself from your family. Back in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives, from your father's house. To the land which I will show you about. But instead, he came out of Ur with Terah, his father, and Lot, right? Violating what God told him to do. But over time, it appears as if Lot and Abram really grew inseparable. Even when God had commanded him to leave him behind, he just, he just couldn't do it. He couldn't leave Lot behind. But finally, as time has progressed now, and uh, that both of the men are becoming wealthy in their own right, both of the men are, you know, viewing life through different lenses, I guess you could say, there is contention starting. You know, the ties between the two are weakening. And eventually, their separation was caused by basically, basically three factors. This recorded in, in chapter 13, begin in verse 5 and 7. Five through seven, and Lot also went, which went with Abram, had flocks, herds, and tents, and the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. Now Lot was with Abram; the flocks, herds, and tents in the land could not sustain them dwelling together. Their possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together. So they had to separate themselves because now there was not just contention between Abram and Lot, but between the herdsmen. You know, and remember, these are servants. This is not, you know, like a family empire type thing. But the herdsmen, the, the slaves, if you want to call them that, that, you know, they want the best for their master, right? Because that is what gets them blessings. And there's arguing between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. But then Moses makes sure we understand that the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled still in the land. Now, the first problem was the success of both of the men as keepers of the flocks. Both Abram and Lot had prospered. 
Their flocks, their herds had become so large that they could no longer dwell in the same areas together. And this was especially true for nomadic tribesmen who has, they have to travel for the main reason, looking continuously, continuously for water holes and food pasture for their sheep and their cattle. That's their whole purpose right now. The second problem was the strife, which seemed to steadily grow between the herdsmen themselves, the herdsmen of Abram and the herdsmen of Lot. Each man's herdsmen sought water in the best pasture lands for the animals, for their master. And this competition for the best inevitably led to conflict between the herdsmen themselves as well as Lot and Abram. So, you know, it, it would probably not be far from, far from the facts to suggest that some irritation had already really happened between Abram and Lot themselves. And if we study, let's read verse 8. Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and I and between our herdsmen and my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we're brothers here. We're family, right? So you can see that there must have been some strife there that had already been, you know, under the under the radar, I guess you could say, but they both knew that it was going on. And, you know, this can be true in our life today. Whenever there's contention between followers, there most often will be strife and contention between leaders also because the leader wants to take care of their followers. After all, they rely on them to do the work. Now, if the first problem is the success of both Abram and Lot, then the second is the resulting strife. The third is the fact that the land where they lived did not belong to them. They were sharing it with those who possessed the land, the Canaanites and the Persites. You know, it's easy to forget that none of the land of Canaan yet belonged to either Abram or Lot. When Abram and Lot separate in this chapter, they part pass. They do not divide real estate. Wait a minute. No, I thought Lot. No, no, no. Listen to me. They're both living in a land that's occupied by the Canaanites and the Parasites. They don't own it. They don't possess it. They're just traveling through. That's a seemingly incidental remark that Moses made sure was in the Bible to remind us that Abram was a sojourner traveling in a land that would someday belong to him and his descendants. But it may also suggest that the strife which existed between him and Lot was a poor testimony to those who were looking on with interest. Right? Further, Abram and Lot not only had to share pasture between themselves, but they were at the mercy of those who had the true title claim to the land. These people had no intention of just giving up their land to some travelers, right? If they went in and said, I possess this land, this is my land now, uh, I think the Perizzites and the Canaanites would have had something else to say about it. Think about that. You know, I, I laugh when I read these verses, for God works in strange and <laughs> sometimes humorous ways. People say mysterious ways. I, I like saying God has a sense of humor. He, he works in strange and humorous ways to accomplish his will. You know, long before, God had told Abram to leave his country and his relatives. At that time, leaving Lot was mainly a matter of principle. You know, go, Abraham, do it because God said so. Now, years later, Abraham reluctantly acknowledges that a separation must take place, not as a matter of principle, but out of practical expediency and necessity. You know, 
my friend, one way or another, God's will is going to be done, either with your agreement or without your agreement, right? It could be done a lot easier if you agree with God and just follow his lead. It could have been done by Abram way back in Ur, but it was not. God providentially brought an irritation and a competition between Abram and Lot, which forced the separation to occur. Sooner or later, God's purposes will come to pass. And I won't get into it here, but you've heard my testimony before about how God moved me from Texas to Maryland. I didn't want to move to Maryland, but for nine months, God supernaturally started removing everything I'd used as an excuse to stay in Texas from my life until the only reasonable alternative and the only reasonable solution was for me to move to Maryland. And then as soon as I arrived, the blessing showed up, right? And I'd leave today if God told me I could. But that day has not come yet. And just like Elijah refused to move from the book Kareth, even when it dried up, all because God had told him that this is where he'd be supplied with everything he needed if he remained there, well, that's how I am about leaving Maryland. I'm not leaving as long as God says stay. And when you know he doesn't say leave, I'll stay right here in this place because this is where God told me my needs to be met, and they have been. Anyway, let's get back into the story of Abram and Lot. No doubt, the problem which caused Abram and Lot to separate had been existing for a long time. And I imagine that Abram had frequent discussions with Sarai, his wife. The text doesn't say this, but I suspect that Sarah's words were the same to Abram as countless wives have spoken to their husbands in such a time as this, you know, three famous words that, you know, just about every wife will always tell their husband when I say, this isn't working, this isn't working, I should have done this, I should have listened to you. And what are those famous three words? I told you. Right? <laughs> oh, don't shut me down while I'm preaching good. I heard women everywhere say, amen, preach it, brother. Right? I told you. I told you this is what was going to happen, right? And Abram's like, yeah, I know you did. Especially, and you know, again, Scripture doesn't say this, so we're just having a little fun here, but she's probably like, especially when you gave me away to that king. I mean, she, you know, she's still holding that back a little bit. That, that spear comes out every now and then. But you could just hear, I told you, I told you, I told you not to bring him. I told you, I told you. Said, yeah, I know, I know, I know. We got to do something, right? Of course, you know, the a lot of times the inevitable outcome is obvious to our mate long before we are willing to accept the reality of our circumstances. Sarah may well have posed a very different solution than the one Abraham came up with now. She might have said to Abraham, you know, tell Lot just to hit the trail. Adios, goodbye. But God didn't call Lot to Canaan, Abram. He didn't call him to go to Canaan. He called you. He's the one who told you this would be your land, not Lot's. Just tell him to leave. Head on out. He's a grown man. He can take care of himself. He's got all the flocks and stuff. Let him, let him go. All this of course, it's mere conjecture on our part, but any student of human nature would find it to be at least a realistic possibility, right? I mean, you know, wives tend to protect their husbands. 
And she sees the problem here. Says, tell them to hit the road. You're done taking care of them. Abram's solution could not have been more gracious or more godly. His motivation seems to be ethically and not economically based. Abram said a lot. And, and you know, we'll come down here in verse 8 again. Uh, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and you, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we're brothers, we're family. Isn't the whole land before you? Separate yourself, I pray thee, from me. If you want to take the left hand, I'll go to the right. If you want the right, I'll go to the left. So more than anything, Abram wanted to maintain peace and to heal the strife that had come between himself and Lot. And the overriding principle is that of the unity of the brotherhood that must be preserved. Strangely, though very practically, this unity is to be preserved by separation. Right, right now, the whole world with this pandemic thing, you know, the big key words are, you know, uh, was it separate but together type thing. And that's what we see here uh, with Abraham and Lot, or Abram and Lot, you know, to preserve our unity in the brotherhood, we need to separate. Someone must leave, either Abram or Lot. And seemingly, it was obvious they must separate. The only question was, who would leave and where would they go? So Abram left that decision to Lot. Abram had made the decision, we're going to separate. Now, the next decision, Lot, you choose. And then I'll go the opposite way. The offer gave Lot the advantage and left Abram very vulnerable in the situation. And it would seem that both men, from the way we could read these verses, both men were standing on a high hill from a spot where all the surrounding land was visible when Abram made his offer to Lot. So Lot's decision was made on the basis of a quick, cool financial calculation. With the eye of an appraiser, he looked over the land. He's looking at this land. He's like, okay, where, which way do I want to go? He's giving me my choice here. Which way do I want to go? And he's weighing the advantages and the disadvantages of each option. Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the Jordan Valley, well watered everywhere. This is before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the Lord uh, did the land of Egypt. Is you know, uh, What am I trying to say here? Before he destroyed the land of Sodom and Gomorrah, so it was all the land of Egypt up to Zoar, right? So Lot chose himself all the valley of the Jordan, and then Lot journeyed eastward. They separated from each other. That's in verses 10 and 11. He fixed his gaze on the beautiful Jordan Valley, the lush green, you know, evidenced by, that we give evidence of the presence of plentiful waters, down in the Jordan area for irrigation, parched hills and dusty lands beyond that didn't interest him. There was any, barely any water out there. Literally, the Jordan Valley could have been called a paradise in that area because it was just like the Garden of the Lord in verse 13. Men of Sodom were wicked and strangers before the Lord exceedingly. Uh, what, what am I reading here? Okay, verse 11. Lot chose them all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journey separated themselves one from another. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, pitched his tent towards Sodom. It seems, I can't get off this. Let me back up just a little bit. It seems as if 
he was more concerned about the irrigation of the Jordan Valley, the provision in the Jordan Valley for his flocks and herds. And it was like the garden of the Lord in that it was not going to rely on rainfall. The ground itself had water, right? So remember back in Genesis chapter one and two, we talked about how the mist came up to water all the plants and all that before rain fell. Well, this is what he was seeing in the Jordan Valley. So he didn't have to have much faith there because it was already going to be taken care of. The water was abundant. Life was abundant down there. So he didn't have to look to God to bring rain from cloudless skies. Right? So Lot made his choice, and it was a shrewd decision, seemingly the choice that gave him a decided edge in the competition between himself and Abram. It was, in my mind, a selfish decision, one that took all of the best and left Abram with all that seemed worthless. All that Abram had done for him over the years, all of the help Abram had done, it had taken care of him when he was younger, and all that he had now was a result of the blessing of Abram on his life. And now he decides he's just going to shut Abram out in the cold. Now, Lot's defense would be, hey, he asked where I wanted to go, right? The simplest and fairest decision would have been to make the Jordan River itself the boundary between the two. That way, both of them could have had access to the valley. Both of them could have had access to water, right? One dwell on this side of the river, the other on the other side of the river. But Lot chose all the valley of the Jordan. Right? He was looking out for number one. He could have written a book on the subject of how to look out for number one. But the decision has been made. Because I'll take the Jordan Valley area. That left Abram the desert. Abram could have argued about, now, Lot, wait a minute. Come on now. You know, I need water too. Why don't we split the Jordan? Abram said, I let Lot choose. So okay, let's let's do this. So they separate. Abram dwelt in Canaan, out in the desert. Lot started moving closer and closer to Sodom. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled in the cities of the valley, and moving his tents closer and closer to Sodom. You know, I heard one pastor say one time, the more you look towards Sodom, the closer you get to Sodom. The closer you get to Sodom, the closer Sodom gets to you. And then you start seeing the things that go on in Sodom, and those things get into you. And then you start participating in the things in Sodom, and the things in Sodom start participating in you. And then when destruction comes to Sodom, destruction comes to you. Right? Anyway, Lot had considered very carefully the economic decisions that factored into you know, his ultimate decision but he totally, 100% neglected the spiritual dimension. God had promised to bless Abram and to bless others through Abram as they blessed Abram. That's back in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. As Lot went his way, I believe he was patting himself on the back, pulling one over on Uncle Abe. I mean, he must have been soft in the head to give such an advantage to Lot. Right, but Lot was just sharp enough to cash in on it. Amen. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. 
There's a lot of people out there listening to me today that they run their businesses the same way. If I can get an extra dollar out of this guy, I'll get it. If I do 500 transactions like this a day, that's an extra $500 in my pocket. Instead of flipping around the other way, hey, look, I know you're hurting right now. I'm going to cut the price by 20%. Right? You bless them. Guess what God does? He blesses you. When you lend unto the poor, what does scripture say? When you give unto the poor, God considers it a loan to him, and the Lord will repay. And he has done that over and over in my life. Anyway, uh, in the process of what's going on, Lot did not bless Abram, but belittled him. And that eventually brought cursing and not blessing, just like the scripture says. Furthermore, Lot had not considered the consequences of living in the cities of the valley. While the soil was fertile, the water was plentiful, the men in those cities were wicked. Just like any major metropolitan city in America today, usually run under liberal philosophical control, the inner cities are sewers of evil. They're all spiritually blind. They think they know better than God of what it takes to be blessed. They think more governmental control means more blessing. Jesus warned us there would be some fools who will say, let me take that speck of dust out of your eye while ignoring the log sticking out of their own eye. We see that all across America today, especially in Democrat strongholds. I digress. All right? The spiritual cost of Lot's decision was great. And in the final analysis, the material benefits that Lot had gained, he lost all of it just like in American cities today. Lot did not intend, I believe, to actually live in the cities of the valley. At first, he simply set off in that general direction. But I want you to notice, once our direction is set, that means our destination is also determined. I'm going to head towards California. Well, if you keep heading towards California, eventually you're going to end up where? in California, right? That's what's happening here. I'm going to head towards Sodom because that's where the fertile fields are at and plenty of water. As you head towards Sodom, eventually you're going to end up in Sodom. And that's what happened with Lot. At first, he lived in his tents long before he had traded in his tent for a townhouse in Sodom, right? He may have lived in the suburbs initially, you know, he's living out here in the fields and, you know, the winds are blowing and some storms and, you know, all that. And he's like, I hate walking a whole day's journey just to go to the store. Day's journey there. And then I got to spend the night in the city. And then maybe we move a little bit closer. Then I can just go half a day's journey, get my stuff half a day back home. That's, that's good. And then he, he's thinking, well, you know, why take a whole day out to go into town and come back? We move a little bit closer. I can make you know, a couple hour journey, get the food, come back up. Only half a day is wasted. So he's getting closer and closer until finally, you know, the storms and live, tired living in tents. You know, they got some nice townhomes in there, some nice apartments. You know, they're right on the edge of the city. So why don't why don't we just go ahead? You know, we'll leave the herdmen out here with the cattle and the herds and the flocks, and my family and I we can live in town. 
And that way they can go to the public school system in town. That way they can, you know, get jobs in town and, and we'll just move into town. And that's what's eventually happened. Lot started out here with Abram. And then he chose to move towards Sodom, eventually staying. He's out in the fields and then moving closer and closer and closer until he is now living in the city. Some decisions seem very insignificant, but they set a particular course for our life. The decision itself probably wasn't very important, but its final outcome can be tragic. Often the appearance is that his choice is one that's certain to be to our advantage. Material prosperity should never be sought at the cost of spiritual compromise. Never. How time can change our perspective on prosperity. When the decision was made to settle in the Jordan Valley, it was a virtual paradise. You can read that in verse 10. Right? Moses, however, included a little remark which put this beauty in a very different light. And that's in verse 10. It says, this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So what looked like a very smart decision by Lot, Moses just, wanted, Moses just wanted to make sure you understood it looked like this before the destruction came. How different things look in the wake of divine judgment. A beautiful paradise, and so it was, until God brought down fire and brimstone upon it. Back, we'll, we'll read about this in chapter 19. From that day on, it was and has been a wasteland. Far more than the loss of his possessions and his prosperity, Lot paid a terrible price for his very short-lived pleasure. According to Peter, Lot's soul was continuously vexed by what he was, what he's observing in the city. Even when the saint is surrounded by sensual pleasure, he cannot enjoy sin for long. Thank you for joining Pastor Bob as he leads you verse by verse through the Bible in this series called My Bible Study. We pray this study will bring you closer to God and reveal His Word and His will for you through the Scriptures. We would consider it an honor and a blessing if you would support this outreach with your financial offerings. We have partnered with Patreon to offer you unique gifts and benefits for various levels of giving. Please visit our page on Patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash my Bible study podcast, all one word. That link again is patreon.com forward slash my Bible study podcast, all one word. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.